How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. How's it, Al? Hey, Rod. Uh, good to see you again. This is the second time we're recording uh, in the same place at the same time. Yes, and we've had double-digit episodes now. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, uh, Mr. Thirsty, our favorite follower on Twitter, seems to like the fact that we do this together. Yeah, it does, does help out for all the audio issues and stuff. Yeah, so how's your week been? It's been good, dude. Busy, busy, busy. It's your always f- good to be busy. Your favorite client, the guy, your poster children? Big complicated uh, environments are big and complicated. Hybrid definitely poses more challenges than either a purely online or purely on-prem solution. Yeah, there's a lot coming in the beginning of, of next year, the first quarter of next year around hybrid, making it a bit more seamless. We've seen the whole fast track thing where the Microsoft will now throw money at you as well and give you some tools uh, to migrate with uh, three of the biggest migration tool vendors out there. So that's also new. That's uh, exciting. Cool. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, this month, this month, well, not this month, this week, interviewee is the great heckler. So uh, Warren Marks from 2D Consult, he's been uh, labeled the heckler because he always argues with everything. So we'll be talking to him in a bit and we'll be covering uh, the state of the nation when it comes to where the world is right now. So ideally, uh, we'll have uh, Francois Pina, the real Francois Pina, on next week to dispute what the heckless is. And that seemed to be quite a good segment. Uh, hopefully in the next three months you'll have uh, the heckler on with uh, the PNR disputing what the heckler says as the gospel truth of SharePoint. Sounds good. Let's cross over there now. So, uh, this week uh, we started the conversation at SharePoint Saturday in Johannesburg where we started having conversations with a whole bunch of speakers and one of the speakers that we had at the, uh, the event was a guy by the name of Warren Marks. And if you go back, I think it's uh, episode six, you'd be able to hear a bit more about him. But we've given him the nom de plume as the heckler. And he's really here to dispute everything that we say about SharePoint in South Africa. Welcome, Warren. It's great to have you on the show again. Thank you, man. Great to be here. So uh, how was SharePoint Saturday for you? I mean, you've been, you didn't come to Cape Town and you weren't in Durban because you were at some... uh, Weird sort of uh, sporting event. <laughs> Throwing balls down an alleyway. <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. But uh, is that the actual sport? Because I thought that was what you do over weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I do it in my spare time and all the other time as well. <laughs> so it's great to have you on the show again. I think the reason why we have you here is your role in the company that you work for, GT Consult. Uh, you get to engage with pretty much all the types of clients in the various verticals and, and you would probably be well versed in uh, giving us some insight into where the industry is going uh, what what you've seen over the last i'd really like to talk to you about what you've seen over the last six months especially on the back end of uh, sharepoint saturday johannesburg and the amount of people that attended we were actually quite in awe uh, regarding the the amount of attendees that showed up I know you had quite a bit of engagement with the people on the ground on the day, and you spoke to a few of the delegates as well. What was your take on the SharePoint Saturday Johannesburg, considering that you've been there since the beginning and, and Johannesburg showed up this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. I think the awareness of, of technology across the business is becoming a big thing. You know, back in the day, SharePoint Saturday was quite a techie sort of focused event Um, and SharePoint used to be quite a a techie industry and I I think it's evolving uh, as IT is at at a rapid rate. I think the business is more aware of how technology can help um, get things done better. I think uh, everyone hears about digital transformation and it used to sound like it came out of a a sci-fi movie and people can actually relate to it now. So the audience was very different. I mean, you still had the the same technical audience, but it's definitely grown on the the business side, which I I think is is fantastic. It it just means people are embracing technology uh, in their days today. So I think it's great. And you guys focus quite a bit on Office 365 and migrations and all of those things. Yes. And migration seems to like digital transformation. I know you've got a webinar or, or something on, on what you've done with the, with the best ice cream factory in the world. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> caramel right there. Yeah, oh yes. <laughs> I, I just for the, for the listeners, I know that we, we've got quite a few requests on Twitter around uh, 
talking to people that want to move to the cloud, what your experiences are, the industries that you work with, what the pitfalls are. I know you partnered with, with a couple of, and your background, especially from a migration perspective, which is where you um, earned your stripes. Uh, what, what is your take on the migration? Where do you see migration strategies going in South Africa, specifically in South Africa? Like we spoke earlier on, we talked about fiber to the home becoming mainstream now. People are not putting in ADSL or VDSL lines. They're actually going straight for fiber. Telcom's obviously jumped on the bandwagon. They're rolling out so fast that we can't even keep up with it. And there's so many bundles coming from even guys like Vodacom selling fiber to you. So that should impact the migration strategy of a lot of companies because now not only do they have a platform to say we trust fiber they now have fiber at home and there's more trust in telecom being able to provide decent connectivity i mean that should spur on your c-level guys saying well you know what we're not going to spend money on data centers anymore we actually now going to look at moving to an aws and azure and an office 365 scenario yeah absolutely i mean i think there were there were two big stumbling blocks when it came to moving to cloud and and one of them was data sovereignty i think right when office 365 first came out uh, you know people were fearful of whether their data was safe uh, being outside the borders of the country we obviously don't have a local data center so it was a it was a real questioning item you know whether whether the the data safe and i think microsoft has put those to bed you know with the the new security and compliance centers that have come out um, your data being encrypted at rest so that fear is gone and, and the next stumbling block was bandwidth uh, it's you know you look at things like AWS. There's a local data center, so bandwidth there is isn't not, actually. Uh, it's it's in Cape Town. Oh, you serious? Yes. Because we've been disputing this for about a month and a half now. Well, I've got a, a good mate of mine who who works for for Amazon. Yeah, at the for sure. Yeah, I've no, got no, a, in, in Joburg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the data centers in Cape Town. Though. The data That's, centers in Cape. Town. I've always said the data centers in for sure. So if you look at their map when it comes to what they call AZs. Mm. availability zones so you weren't at at ignite no i was not microsoft went and said they have the most data centers across the world Mm. Uh, that's a blatant lie amazon actually has the most data centers across the world but their grouping when it comes to availability zones is different to microsoft they would group it differently so amazon actually has more data centers than than microsoft but it's interesting though because there's no az group for south africa on the map and Slatin is the DevOps architect for Amazon in California. And we were going to, we still be, we will be doing, we'll watch this space. We'll be doing a first of its kind AWS uh, Azure Data Platform Summit, probably in March of next year, where you can share workloads between Amazon and um, Azure. And Slatin also was not 100% sure if there is a data center in Cape Town. If there is, great. I know Amazon's hiring staff right now, look. With a vengeance, oh. they—they, I mean, they've opened a Joburg office, I believe. Yes, and they they have. They're hiring it's left, right, and centre. They've been open for a year now, actually. So, so something interesting, and I know we, we've gone very off-topic to to your original question, but I, we, we did a breakfast um, earlier this week. Yes, and the I, one that I wasn't invited. To. Yeah, well, you're on the the, the blacklist, I think. Uh, yeah, I used to be on the whitelist. Now I'm on the blacklist. Um, so there was a guy there that I, I chatted to, a CIO of of a fairly large organisation, and we were actually chatting around Amazon and Amazon data centres talking about a local data center, whether it exists or not. I guess we've never seen it with our own eyes. And he was just talking about latency. Um, So if you provision servers in an overseas data center um, and your ping latency will go down tenfold uh, if you're an Amazon customer. So whether you're not local, so if you're an Amazon customer locally, and yes. he was also talking about a local data okay. center, um, and even if you move your service to an international data center, um, the latency is still lower than if you're only using an international data center. So in other words, if you're spanning your servers across the two, uh, the so latency is the same between the two, which blew my mind away because I'm not quite sure how that works. Well, I could try and extrapolate on that. So look at Hetzner. I, I, I do stuff with Hetzner. So Hetzner does co-location between South Africa and Germany. Yes. If you look, if you do a location in South Africa and you co-locate in Germany, your breakout goes from South Africa to Germany, not straight to Germany. So Amazon would do the same thing. You would have a localized data center or a, a LAN somewhere or a blade somewhere, and you'd actually go 
into Amazon locally and then go to Amazon in the US instead of going via um, a shaped or an un, a shaped traffic with a contention ratio yes. on Ccom because they will buy X amount of data. So the connectivity between data centers at Amazon is also the highest as well. It's the same thing with if you go from Azure to Office 365. With the Avpoint guys, when they do migrations, they actually go Azure and then they move it across because it's, it. it's quick. I know with Binary Tree, and that is always a recommended route uh, as well to do a two-hop migration just to, to get uh, better throughput speeds. Yeah. So, so to go back to your original question. Migration, uh, yes. Migration. Um, so the security aspect and data sovereignty aspect, I think, is no longer a big fear anymore. I think depending on the industry, uh, you know, I know in government they are quite stringent that they don't oh, want… It depends uh, on who you talk to. Well, we, we hosted the SharePoint uh, roundtable, the prep for the conference this week. Okay. And there was a fair amount of government representatives what there. What conference? Uh, for Share Conference. Oh, right. Yes, you still uh, the chairman. So I chair the, the roundtable. So oh. it's always interesting to hear what people are, are doing within the technology space. And there, there was several different government departments uh, who had representation there. And they are apparently being quite stringent to say that they are not willing to take their data off-border or outside of the, the borders of South Africa anymore. Um, and they're waiting for Microsoft to come back to them on a, on a response. Oh, it's one of those, we out, we in, we out. <laughs> well, I know a couple of government departments are using Office 365. Uh, so. Equalini has <laughs> got 7,000 people that have been moving exactly. for the last 18 months to the cloud. Exactly. So, so I mean, I think that fear is gone. Right? And, and the uptake on, on Microsoft Cloud as a whole uh, is definitely on the rise. I think bandwidth is better. I think access to bandwidth is better. And that's always been a massive stumbling block in South Africa, the lack of bandwidth that's here. So we are seeing a lot of migrations. And I think the smaller organizations, right, we see big companies go to the likes of um, you know, as we know, Spa and, and Mr. Price. And MTN big, as well. MTN. I mean, there's some big organizations. 34,000 people. That have gone, no, it's Standard Bank's another one, you know, where they, they okay. are going to 2365 as well. But it's the smaller organizations that are allowing smaller companies to have access to these technologies that they could just never afford previously, yep. you know, to put these things on prem, uh, to buy the infrastructure, hire the skills, the backups, uh, they, they just veered away from it. So you, you find your 50 to 100 user organizations running small business server that gave yep. them a little bit of everything, but it was still very, fairly limited. Well, SBS is still alive and well in. Uh uh, server 2016, strangely yes. enough, with essentials and all these <laughs> yes. other things. Like, what? Yeah. So, so I think with 365 now, to get access to all of these technologies rolled up into a single per-user cost, people are finding it very, very attractive. I think the interfaces on 365 are simple enough that you don't need these propeller heads to to be able to turn the tech on. Yeah. Um, and in terms so so the migrations on the, on the rise as well. Uh, I mean, not just complete 365, but hybrid. You know, guys are, are, are looking at what they can put in the cloud, being selective on what they're taking to the cloud. But a lot of planning needs to go into these things. You know, it's, it is outside to 365, especially it's outside the borders of the country. Uh, it takes time to get your data there. It needs to be planned. You know, more time needs to go into planning uh, than anything else. But it's definitely on the rise. You know, we, we are seeing more and more migrations and, and users adopting cloud, which I think is fantastic. Uh, what was interesting, uh, when I did the keynote at the Metallogics Roadshow in Cape Town, there was uh, one of the items in my digital transformation session was really around the pitfalls of moving to Office 365. And one of the things that actually came up was people were saying they don't want Microsoft to know their passwords if they move. <laughs> so, I mean, you can do ADFS and then use hashing and you, half the password sits on-prem and the other half yes. sits, sits in the cloud. But are you finding that you are having uh, the engagements with your customers that they are still very immature about, okay, we can move to the cloud and our passwords are actually encrypted and even Microsoft doesn't have access to it? It's a lack of knowledge. That's all it is. And again, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's generally not IT making these decisions anymore. And yeah. I think that's the evolution of, of cloud and, and IT, the IT landscape, how it's evolving as a whole. The business user is not the most techno-savvy guy. I mean, you, you get some exceptions here and there, but they, they're none the wiser. So you're going to get questions like that, and we see them fairly often. Um, interesting, you, you speak of the Metalogics Roadshow, and I did a slot in the Joburg one as well. That's correct, yes. And, you know, the, it's, all a, it's all about big data, right? Getting your data into the cloud, how you utilize that data. The, a lot of the guys that, that we're dealing with don't actually have a clue how that information sits in the cloud, how it's structured. 
When it comes to security, uh, I always ask the business user the same question. If you're worried about someone else viewing your data, when last did you physically log into your file share and go have a look that every one of your files is actually oh. there? And everyone sort of looks at me with a blank face, but it's very true, right? You're worried about your, your data being safe in the cloud, but you, you've actually got bigger concerns with your data sitting on-premise. With the security uh, that uh, Microsoft is putting into the cloud, your data is probably safer there. Well, just on that point, you were at Ignite last year. Yes. Okay. Um, I forget the the slide, one of the sessions there, but I remember the slide because I actually used it in one of my slides. Uh, I think it was for a governance session that I did in Adriatics. Uh, so Microsoft, at an Office 365 level, has more certifications when it comes to certifi certifying the product from a security and a compliance Absolutely. perspective than all the other product vendors like an open text and an IBM put together. Yep. They just never throw it around. Uh, I don't know if you if you had a look at some of the sessions from Ignite this year. Um, I, I haven't downloaded the stuff yet. So you must see what they've done in Azure, that they've now put a, a data center in Germany, which is a big thing, the, the, the laws and uh, around... Oh. The data management in that in Germany is massive. Um, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. And they've been certified. They've actually, the first oh, wow. time a cloud platform has been, I can't remember the name of the certifications in one of the slides. Because uh, they're, super, they're super anal about stuff. Stuff can't leave the borders. No, it's I, worse I think, than us. I think two years ago, was it Sweden or Switzerland that said to all businesses, if your domain is outside of the country, we will close your business. And everyone had to bring their domains into the country. Back, yeah. <laughs> That's ludicrous. Sir. That is absolutely crazy. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, so if we did a, a breakfast now this week, as I mentioned, and, and we really covered a, a recap of Ignite uh, this year. And unfortunately, we all, couldn't all be there from GT, but we had a stand there this year. We, we sent a big part of the team. Mm. Um, and the, the keynote this year is all about big data, you know, the, the volume of data in this world. And one of the statistics that was used uh, in, in Jeff Tepa's session was that data is going to grow 2,000% by 2020, you know, but that's, it's, it's been it's been like that for the last 20 years. I mean, that, that's started with bit years away. You know, that's that's around the corner, right? Yeah. Uh, and out of that, is half a percent is actually accessed regularly. Well, so I mean, that that is a ludicrous number. If you think of the amount of data that's being uh, generated by, by user base in the workplace, you now need tools to analyze that data on your behalf and have triggers to identify what's actually business relevant and what's not. So it brings the whole BI and analytics yeah. into play. The processing power you need to do, you know, to have access to that type of technology, you just can't do on-prem anymore. So I think the, the reality is, is that guys, you know, staying on-prem to have everything on-prem and not having a look at your cloud strategy and adopting it at some point, your business is going to fall behind. You know, if you, the difference with digital transformation between competitor businesses, if you sell pineapples and the mm -hmm. business next door sells pineapples, unless it's, the, you know, one side's the quality of your product, but if the, the quality of your pineapples is just as good, what makes you better than your competitors? Yeah. And that's adopting technologies to get things done faster and better. Oh, so Deloitte Australia has actually got a nice YouTube clip on where they see business going through digital transformation. Accenture's got an infographic that talks about the same stuff you're talking about. Yes. If you look at Microsoft's uh, sales deck slide stuff around Office 365, more than 50% of business users consume information on devices. Yes. We actually had a conversation today around something that we were doing at the office and specifically around training. And we said, well, if you're solution is mobile friendly people don't need training they know how to load an app either they got into the whole thing with a they've got a tablet or or they've got a cell phone and they on facebook instagram twitter all of these things or on snapchat or doing some other photography thing and all of that or their kids have now ta got tablets because they're getting their school uh, books on it and they need to start consuming things that way when i get home at night yes i open up my notebook because i'm doing stuff that requires that, but consuming information because 90% of the time it's consumers, it's not producers of information. Everyone's sitting with a cell phone. So if I've got a leave request I need to approve on a, on a device or I'm worried about plant maintenance on a device, it's much easier to do it sitting somewhere comfortable. Like in the old days when the iPads became friendly, everyone know but the CEO wants to approve something on his iPad. Yes. 
So training as well has also morphed into this, well, you have to be in the digital stage, in the digital era, where how do you transform and move people? I suppose with millenniums it's easier, though. It is, definitely. I mean, I think it's all about boosting productivity, right? I think the days of sitting in behind a desk in an office all day where you're getting bugged by your work phone and bugged yeah. by people working in, you know, walking into your office is a, is a thing of the past. Microsoft has definitely identified this. I mean, you look at SharePoint 2016, you look at the new OneDrive, the experience is identical yeah. from your, you know, working on a laptop to working on yeah. your mobile device. You can access your files you between OneDrive, SharePoint. So I think training is becoming easier as well. Uh, I think the biggest... The, the biggest challenge in training is the culture change to the non-millennials yeah. because it's, a, it's a, a, a difference in the way that you're working and you can't use the whip mentality anymore. No. You know, we've, we see Tracy and, and what Tracy does around user adoption. People have to see the value in it, but I think the applications are getting easier to do. And I'm not talking just the admin side on, mm. on setting these technologies up, but to work mm. with SharePoint, the ribbon's now gone away. Right? The ribbon was yeah. hell of a confusing to a lot of people. You can now work in SharePoint in the, the new look and feel on the document libraries as you did in Windows Explorer. Oh, you didn't right click. So it's that same, it's that experience people are used to, even the non-millennials mm. who were back on 95 with Windows Explorer, SharePoint now looks exactly the same. Yeah. So it's just that carry through, I think. The modern, modern team site experience has now glued the list and library experience. Yes. They removed the ribbon. I spun up a modern team site three, four days ago and you create a page and you add newsfeed and all of these things. Done. It's done. Yes. And then it takes all the analytic stuff around graph and delve and it, it feeds that. It's, it's no-brainers. But you still need organizations like a GT or like a Mint to actually untap the productivity enrichment in that. I, I think people don't know what they don't know, and, and that's where you need the provider. Right? The provider now is becoming a trusted advisor as opposed to a technical specialist. I mean, you need to be a technical specialist and have that solid understanding, but it's to expose organizations to what's coming and how it can benefit that organization. Uh, I, that's why I think, and being in sales, I, I think sales is evolving as a whole. You know, I don't think you're pushing technology anymore. No. Uh, you're pushing business benefit and, and uh, you know, solving business problems that they have by leveraging off technology. It's just moving too quick and technology is just too vast. You look at Office 365, what's available in 365. To keep up to date on all those changes, you, you need someone you trust and, and can keep you informed on components that bring value to your businesses specifically. Because it's never the same, although the tech's the same, there's different things that appeal to different businesses. Are you finding the adoption of, of the modern team site and the, and the modern lists and libraries when it comes to migration? Because we've also just... <laughs> Look, it, it's still early days, right? Uh, I mean, it's something that's been released uh, very recently. It's different. So the guys that had adopted, you know, SharePoint 2013 sort of look and feel, people hate change and are scared of yeah. change. But, uh, you know, even someone like Tracy you chat to, and she, she hated it at first. Yes. And as she, well, she started... Well, Exactly. But as she started the using it... The ribbon is gone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But as you start using it, you start seeing the benefit out of it. I, I think that transition will be, will be easier. But people are scared of change. Yeah. You know, people get very set in their ways. In closing, just your, your view on, on 2017... Uh, what, what are your takeaways from 2016 that, that's going to drive your thought processing for 2017? So I find 2016 a very interesting year. Uh, I think there's been a lot of shift. I think at all, you look at the last five, six years, I think the shift to cloud this year has probably been the biggest that I've seen. I think the, the, the business relation and understanding where the technology can benefit I think has, has been the biggest and, and probably the biggest thing for me. And again, you know, I refer to, to uh, such as keynote in, in Microsoft at Microsoft Ignite this year um, about artificial intelligence. So that analytics layer across all of the workloads on Office 365. And I think historically you look at Office 365 and you see the workloads as individual tech mm -hmm. streams, email, use exchange online, SharePoint, use SharePoint online. And it's now about bringing those products together um, not being as aware of what workload is bringing you benefit, but using a combination mm -hmm. of those products to meet a business need. And, and that was a very foreign thing, uh, you know, yeah. two years ago, three On years ago. On-prem, it's extremely foreign. Exactly. Where, where now I think people are starting to, to see the benefit. Uh, there was a special word, and I actually spoke about it with Rod 
last week when we did the recording or the Monday when we did uh, this week's recording. There's a, there's a term that Microsoft uses. Uh, when you look at, you've got Power BI and Teams and Flow and, and Power Apps and, and Planner and all of these things. And you look at it and you literally have to go to teams.microsoft.com. So Teams sits outside of Office 365 but integrates into Office 365. And you need an Office 365 account. And Teams versus Groups versus uh, Yammer is also becoming a big thing now. Then you've got Pipes and Flow. But I actually saw a slide today that says you can now take information from SharePoint via Flow and stick it into Power BI. And it's interesting that you mentioned that on how Microsoft is now joining the dots. Yes. It was paint by numbers before or join the run you know, draw the draw this giraffe by numbers. Yes. And it's becoming so much easier and people trust Microsoft. It's no longer that fear of, shit, man, uh, is there support for it? Do we have to worry about the product? And so forth, so on. It's not like, okay, we, we trust people to come build this thing for us. It's now, well, we trust a company like Microsoft because they're no longer selling licenses. They're selling features and consumption. Absolutely. And it's easier. And I think that shift has been great for, for people that are evangelical about technology yes. because it becomes much easier to get the message across. You don't have to wait for a light bulb moment and you try various permutations of the same sentence so that people get the gist. It's just become easier. But uh, Warren, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great being uh, here. Thanks uh, for having me, man. Thanks for, for allowing us to record at the GT Consult offices. It's only a pleasure. And we'll speak to you next month. Look forward to it. Awesome stuff. Thanks, cheers, thanks. Cheers, cheers. Good stuff. Great interview. Yeah, it was good. always good catching up with the, the heckler, as always. I'm on point and on par and very vocal about the way he sees things happening. That's what we want, yeah? Yeah. And our next segment is... In the News. Sweet. So first up for the news, um, Microsoft have released test builds for Visual Studio for Mac and Visual Studio 2017 for PC. So if you're a code monkey, maybe go check those out if you haven't yet. A Visual Studio for Mac. Like Mac users, I'm told, are people too. So some of them actually have to get work done. It was actually quite interesting. A mate of mine was saying that you stuck it on every social platform talking about, so what is the next device to buy? And he was saying that the new MacBook Pros are slower than the old MacBook Pros. So he went for a Windows PC and he actually bought a Lenovo P50, which is 32 gigs of RAM, fat uh, NVIDIA Quattro um, GPU, i7, just a monster of a monster. And we were talking about, so what do you do for a second monitor then? Uh, do you because obviously screen size and the other big thing is all these new machines, especially the Macs, they have uh, close onto UHD displays. Yeah. So my Surface Book runs three thousand by two thousand, which is okay because Windows will scale. So you know you got that little slider that says increase objects. Yeah. So Windows automatically scales Windows 10. I suppose Windows 8 as well will automatically scale based on the size of your screen. But try running Hyper-V or VMware yeah. or uh, VirtualBox or any of those things. They don't scale automatically. So it's just an abomination, a pain for me to work inside of VMware because it doesn't scale. I actually literally have to go into the display properties, move the slider across, and then stuff in the browser looks okay, but my Windows tiles are still super small. So it, it is a, a question, and you must remember Rocco. Yep. Yeah, Rocco used to have that 15-inch uh, USB that monitor. Yeah. Then that's probably going to be the easiest. We're going to see a lot of people buying these things um, because... It's always good to have a second monitor, and on the second monitor you can set the, the the scaling for it, and Windows and VMware will run on that resolution of that monitor and not on the native resolution of your panel attached to your notebook. Yeah, it'll take a while for people to catch up. Now, speaking of multiple ports, Microsoft has become a citizen of the Linux Foundation. Yes, they've uh, got SQL on Linux now. Well, sort of. Sort of, yes. Everyone... They, they, they mentioned that a couple of months ago that you can run SQL on Linux when you can't really, you can store the database. And then now SQL runs on Linux as officially runs on Linux. But it's actually using, I think it was called Vine or one of those emulators. Yeah. The x86 emulators. So it actually runs that and then it runs on, 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 on Linux. Well, that's a large portion of where serious computing is happening now and Microsoft's putting a lot of energy into it is the whole idea of containers. I mean, yeah, this Docker isn't and all of those yeah. Th this isn't quite a container technology, but it's it's the same general principles. You want a 
you want an environment that you can lock down and make sure secure um and then you can shoot that around wherever you want it yeah docker's done amazing things with the containerized stuff uh, it's been certified to run on amazon web services on azure so docker's done and there's a couple of other containers i don't remember the rest of them but it it is an interesting leap but then again having said that if you've got a hundred sql servers running in your environment think about what you're paying for windows server licenses that's a lot and how much Never you can mind save sql licenses yeah and how much you can save now if you drop sql on top of linux yeah because you don't have to fork out that uh, server license anymore for hosting the operating system that's true i mean then you have to deal with linux so oh these bash for windows so Great. the windows guys are cross skilling into okay well let's see what bash commands we can actually run on windows makes me very happy i'm not a base hardware guy the command prompt is dying there hasn't been an actual command prompt in windows for a long time there's well, been the a DOS. command prompt emulator yeah well the dos section of it yes it's not actually like it hasn't actually been dos it hasn't it it gives you a different gui that happens to look like a command prompt it's still a and, gui after all yeah yeah it it's is. a terminal it's not, window <laughs> it's a, it is it's a terminal window like it hasn't been the base infrastructure since i want to say windows, windows 7 yeah. 7 7 got rid of it Seven was the first one. It was an emulated effort. I might be wrong on that. Uh, Windows ninety five and ninety eight, and it might have been Vista, but Windows ninety five, ninety eight, Millennium, they the, had the, real DOSs. Yeah, they you had real DOSs. Could go into the yeah. io.sys and boot straight to DOS if you edited the last four characters. Yeah. It might have been in Vista that they entirely possible. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting times. Uh, Microsoft moving on and doing all these crazy things with uh, Linux, and now you'll have to use PowerShell to get a prompt. That's fine. PowerShell is how everything should be done. As anyway. long as they don't remove the control alt delete, I'll still be a happy man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the crazy things Microsoft are doing, um, they've released a preview release of the Azure Cloud Bot as a Service service. Yeah, that's bots interesting. But we've been talking about real world applications, so replacing first level support in a call center, stuff like that. Also. When we when we're using things like Yammer and Microsoft Teams and stuff like Slack, any any of these chat based applications, it'd be very handy to be able to perform tasks in that application without having to go outside to kick off a workflow or to fetch a document or submit a document or or any of that. So, as I see it, that's what these bot as a service things can well, there, do. There's two bots in uh, Teams. Um, I know Slack as got a general help bot um, i'm almost sure of that yeah but so so this is so this is to to host your your own your own company bot sort of thing and you can use it for general information stuff so you can have a channel in in teams or probably just in yammer and people can go exclamation mark leave policy and it links them to the leave yeah. policy like yeah. as as the simplest sort of well there you go slack bot um, it's sort of a helper yeah. Ask him questions. It's almost like what Siri and Alexa does, but more contained to how you can actually build that bot out, yeah. which is quite cool with the bot framework and the fact that it's now as a service and you can go rent a bot. <laughs> rent a bot. <laughs> yeah. Very uh, cool. Now that most of the conferences are over, we've seen the European SharePoint conference end last week and also the one in the Netherlands. What do we do for our conference fixes until next year? There is a PowerShell script to download all the Ignite videos and slide decks for Ignite 2016. That's good because the you, you can't really get to all of it through just links online. Oh, you need, you need to access the service at the back end. I mean, there were 20,000, just over, I think it was just over 18,000 or 20,000 people attending Ignite. And so you can imagine A, the size of the rooms and B, the amount of sessions there were. I mean, I had the 2015 one and I think it was sitting at about, that was out, without the videos, I was already sitting at about 200 gigs. Wow. And if you download this one and you don't choose the option to um, lower the resolution on your videos, it's one terabyte worth of storage. Ouch. So you can, uh, Vlad Katranescu, yeah, I've got it right if Vlad's listening. I'm sure that I'm sure that's right. <laughs> it is. He's, he's actually got a, argue. Uh, he's got a blog called Absolute SharePoint, and if you uh, uh, mosey on over there, uh, the link will take you to his TechNet uh, library, or to TechNet, the TechNet library where he's got a PowerShell script there, and he actually gives you an option to flip the switch between um, full-on HDVIDs and MP4s, which should bring it down to about 400 gigs. 
That's still a lot. I'm not pulling that on my home line. Yeah, now queue tonight. Very cool. Microsoft have added the Outlook customer manager to Office 365 SMB premium plans. What is the Outlook customer manager? I saw some screenshots of what it looks like. I've back in was it Outlook 2003 that had the business contacts manager. It's, which became CRM. Yeah, it's it's a it's a similar sort of thing. It is a CRM type program. It's not. It's obviously not Microsoft CRM. It gives you some basic functionality. It is it is aimed at SMEs. Um, that's why it's on the small and medium business premium yeah, plans. Yeah, you don't get it with any of the e plans. No, when when you're up to the e plans, you've got proper. Yeah, you've got proper CRM, and you'd use. You'd use that instead. Yeah, this is this is for more more small things, but it's cool that uh, they're releasing um, some of this some of this functionality to to the lower plans. Yeah, Microsoft's doing a lot in that space. It's just fearful about the. the there was something else that Microsoft released, and I actually said, well, "How many hamsters do they have stuck in rooms that just churn out this amount of technology?" It's just it's crazy the, the amount of effort and things just being released all the time, all the time, and we don't even have visibility of it until it's actually deprecated and it's been running for two years and we haven't known about it. Yeah, their release schedule is quite hectic. So uh, a European SharePoint conference, they had a couple of awards that they were giving out. There was the usual Harmony, um, also known as Influenza. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about that. But there was also a nice award categories that they were handing out. And one of the products that I work with um, almost on a daily basis called Valor won a best intranet, extranet solution. So congrats to them. Um, I really like the product. It does help you ramp up your build, your intranet build. So instead of taking four to six weeks, you can actually get it up in a couple of days. So what is it? It's... Um Site templates, that sort of thing? Yeah. So it runs on-prem for SharePoint 2013, 2016, as well as Office 365. So you get a bunch of page templates. You get a bunch of forms, like uh, they've got an event hub where people can register for. You can create an event. People can register. Yeah. They've got a uh, people look up. They've got decent layouts. So it looks quite cool. Uh, it's very user-friendly. There's a mobile app, and there's a ton of other features like expense claims all out of the box. So literally what you do is you take your information architecture, stick it into an XML file, run the PowerShell script, and 18 minutes later, it's pretty much built. That sounds very cool. Yeah. Um, and they've got, a, they've got an FAQ section, a survey section, a poll section. And the nice thing about it is it's all out of the box. It's not something that you guys have to build. Um, they've got the carousel slider. They've got uh, promoted links with tiles. All the pretty stuff. Uh, all the pretty stuff. And you get to choose three different themes, which is also quite nice. So literally out of the box, within a day, you can have this built. And then it's really about content takeout. And they've got blogging sections, there's a people finder, and they've got a bunch of bolt-on stuff like the team workspaces. There's an admin pack when it gives you statistics of usage, um, which is quite neat. And it just makes deploying the intranet um, so much easier and so much more tangible because within a day you could go to the sponsor and say, look what we've done, and it's in. I, I literally did it today, and it's, it's a PowerShell script. That's very awesome. cool. Very nice. Yeah. So speaking of out of the box, Microsoft have added guest access to Office Groups. So for people outside of your Active Directory domain, they become more or less first-class citizens now. Um, you can include them in the groups. You can share files to them, all, all of that jazz. They don't get access to the sites. Okay. But otherwise, they get access to the same functionality. So if you wanted to use Office Groups for... External collaboration. Uh, for external collaboration, that's that's now more you possible. You can do that now. Well, that's a nice feature. I suppose you still have to, there still has to be some level of governance um, when it comes to external um, users. Absolutely. Um, and apparently there are some audit tools. So you can, when you turn this on, you can specify, um, when you turn it on, it by default, it turns it on for everything. You okay. can then you can then dial it back and say only for these groups, only for these files. Like you can't that. share files; it'll only be emails, um, that sort of stuff. What excites me about this is, I, I hope this is a trend. I hope this is Microsoft opening up to bringing guests into the cloud platform. I want to be able to invite external people into a team site, into a Microsoft team. Well, they had to get to a stage where they actually replaced forms-based authentication. Yeah. 
Look, Microsoft's departure from uh, 2010 to 2013 was saying that the four internet sites license no longer exists. So now you are paying 38% more per server in your farm for the SharePoint license so that you didn't have to buy a four internet sites license. And yet they still had FBA. FBA still runs on 2016 as well. So you can expose users or external users to it. It's good to see that that trend is now moving across into Office 365 because you'd still want similar functionality when you're doing B2C and B2B type interactions um, using SharePoint Online. Yeah, and I want I want a much more controlled sort of way to do that rather than the old FBA little FBA. database. It's fine. The it's, management pack, once it was installed, took care of everything. It, it was fine. It, it always... It always felt a little dirty when you're doing it. Like you're taking this nice, clean piece of software that is SharePoint and then you're like bolting on this thing onto its forehead. You it know always was, felt a little a little weird. What was dirty was the way you had to configure it up front before the FBA management cap back came out. And what's still dirty is editing a login page. Yeah. That's, that's just, they never ever, since 2010, they did nothing to that default login page. Absolutely nothing. Speaking about governance and management and all of these things, have you seen the admin centers for Power Apps and Flow? Yeah, we chatted about it very briefly last Did week. We? Yeah. I don't remember that. But it's because you don't listen to me when I talk. I do, even the blooper right at the end of the show. I actually listened to it in my car to test Mr. Thirsty's theory about us being uh, loud and soft and loud and soft. And because we're sitting together, it actually worked out quite well. But uh, they talk about data loss prevention for Power Apps and Flow. It's security. It's not data loss prevention. Data loss prevention for me is, okay, I've made a backup and I won't lose data or I have 14 recycle bins. Yeah. Whereas DLP for Power Apps and Flow is really protecting data from being deleted. So I suppose to a certain degree it's data loss, but it just Microsoft and their wording just never – DLP started with DPM. Yeah. And now it's actually not DPM anymore because it's not backups. It just stops the user from deleting it, which is quite neat. So you could um, add a policy that says you cannot delete this form. This form will never be deleted. Or that you cannot share this information outside of where you are. That's super handy. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's, it's taken what the security and compliance center does around DLP for SharePoint stuff. Yeah. And it's actually extended that to Power Apps and Flow. So it's very, very, very powerful. Uh, That's you can, important stuff. And, and you can actually flip it around, people inside the organization, people outside of the organization, in between different areas. Because you remember with, with Flow, you can actually, with Power Apps and Flow, you can go and say, well, I want this connector and I want to write this to Power BI and sort of things. So you can actually limit quite a bit there, which is quite neat. Sweet. Nintex Workflow Cloud. You're a Nintex guy. I am. Yeah. I have been known to Nintex. Yes, Nintex. <laughs> Nintex. Nintex is uh, well. The Nintex Workflow Cloud has been in beta and has now gone into advanced preview. Uh, they've been talking about this for the better part of 12, 13 months now. That they are going to provide you with uh, workflow as a service. Yeah, quite cool. So you can go spin up a workflow, and there's a ton of connectors, and obviously it talks to SharePoint, and you can go and pull data from a. Oracle database somewhere and bring it in to SharePoint, spit it out somewhere else, and it all runs autonomously of SharePoint. So you're not limited to the time of job running or not running, and you're not stuck with all of that. Yeah, it's running on, on Mintech servers rather than yeah. SharePoint servers. And look, it's, it's good for them because they've been wanting to break away from the clutches of SharePoint. If you look at what K2's done, and K2's did it the other way around. Um, Mintech started with SharePoint, K2 eventually came to SharePoint. Yeah. Um, and I actually chatted to the K2 guys, and there's a lot of stuff coming from K2 as well. But Nintex has also been doing all these crazy, weird, and wonderful things. So you've got the workflow card. There's uh, Hawkeye, which gives you great statistical analysis on your workflows. Very powerful stuff. And they're moving completely to a subscription-based model. Instead of you spending a CapEx cost of hundreds of thousands of rands to license your Nintex SharePoint farm, you can now go buy individual licenses so you want to or individual workflow so you can go buy a five pack workflow and it you pay for what you use not for okay i've got one workflow running and i'm only gonna add yeah. uh, so it's actually quite neat that's very cool and then last but not least from my side i'm very excited about next year's conference lineup that's uh, media so I'm, I'm very excited about the european collaboration summit it's replacing spc's uh, adriatics Addison team, I'm looking very forward, very much forward to that. And, and that happens 
in the week after the Formula One Grand Prix in Monaco. Ooh. Yeah. But that following weekend, the first time ever, SharePoint Saturday Monaco. That's a that's a very third cool, of June, man. That's a very cool few weeks to spend in Europe. <laughs> the call for speakers are open, so if you go to sbsevents.org, uh, click on all events and scroll down to the third of June. I'm sure Patrick and Gokin, who are running SharePoint Saturday Monaco, is going to get a ton of sessions from every possible speaker across the world, including myself. Oh yeah. Uh, um, we actually spoke about it a couple of years ago, myself and Brad, saying we dig to have one. Actually, it wasn't Monaco because Monaco is too expensive. We're talking about the Malaysian Grand Prix. Uh, I think that's the 8th or 9th of September. Yeah. Um, so it's always good. I thought Monaco is the best Grand Prix. And, and it's probably the mo- well, it's the most expensive one. You know that Monaco's got the most expensive football field in the world. Yeah, well, um, space there is at a premium. They, <laughs> like ground costs more. Per square meter than I think anywhere else on earth, barring maybe Vatican City. True. I think Monica is the most expensive city, followed closely by Angola. Really? Yeah. Angola is the second uh, most expensive city in the world. Crazy. Uh, Last but not least, there's all the Ignites and the Tech Summits coming up next year. So I think the first Ignite is the Ignite in Australia from the 14th to the 17th. I'd love to go. I've never been to an Ignite, and I'm sure it's great. And then they have the one in Orlando, probably in September. Cool. I think that's it from my side on on the news. I can't see anything else that we need to cover. You want to talk about forms? I wanted to talk about forms, um, where forms is going, what Microsoft wants to do. But we'll actually, what we should do is have an entire form session. Let's unpack it from the heavyweights to others. Um, pipes and flow compared to something like a middle of the range product like SP Forms. So SP Forms is an HTML5 uh, forms designer that sits on top of SharePoint. Yeah, it's seven hundred dollars for on prem and it's five hundred dollars for for Office three six five. So talking about that feature sets that's available there versus your heavyweights like Nintex and K two. I think we should do an entire. Cool, um, we'll, we'll do an episode on that sometime soon. We'll do an soon. episode just on forms and start looking at that because my session in Paris this year at SharePoint Saturday was specifically about that and it's come up again now that Microsoft's invested in Pipes and Flow and the other products are getting more mature because of what's happening in Office 365. Sweet. So you guys can stay tuned to the podcast and at some point we will have that episode talking about all the different forms options. Yeah, man. All the formulas for forms. Last but not least... It's time for the PowerShell commandlet. The PowerShell commandlet for this week is add SP throttling rule. What is that? Um, I bet you can guess. A throttle something, but it's not like SP um, crawl index throttling rule where it throttles your crawl. No. So you can throttle a bunch of different stuff in SharePoint. It's got everything. If, if you check your web app in central admin, it's got a whole panel for what throttling you want to do and where. And you can actually get quite granular uh, about yes, it. Yes, there is throttling there. Yes, it's a yeah. So, so what you can do is you can create a whole set of rules on what gets throttled, when it gets throttled, how it gets throttled, and this commandlet is part of that infrastructure. You obviously want to do a bunch of architecture work up front and decide exactly what it is you want to be doing. So, what would you throttle though? Well, if you've got a, a limited farm and you find um, people are looking at too many PowerPoint slides and it's impacting the the availability of your reporting stuff, you want to throttle you want to throttle the users who are building PowerPoint slides because it's less important than the Excel workers or um, that sort of stuff. Maybe okay. maybe some sites maybe the cafeteria page on your site is less important to you than the Exco meeting site. I mean, if if so you're like having quality of service sort of thing, yes. So so you can you can set up all those sort of things in here. So as part of that, you'll use the this add sp throttling rule. So you can set up a bunch of rules. So the parameters for this commandlet are request management settings. So you can specify the name of a request management settings object to add to it. So what is it that you're throttling? Um, you obviously have to give it a name. You can give it an assignment collection when you're scripting. You have to add in the criteria. Well, you can add in the criteria. So you're specifying what criteria will kick off the rule. Um, you can give it an expiration date and you can specify a threshold between 0 and 10. And that'll define, uh, define the maximum threshold for the throttling. So the request manager will remove the routing targets 
uh, if the health score becomes greater than than that value. And you have to have request management started. Yes. Yes. At least there's a little toggle switch that says enable request management, whereas when you're busy building your app catalog to get the subscription services running, it's only a PowerShell script. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. should be doing everything through PowerShell anyway. Oh, the purest in you will always go down that road. Um, I tend to like a little bit of GUI. Uh, it's nice. I, I do end up using quite a lot of GUI. Um, when I've got time and want to, when I've got time to do things properly, then I'll go research all the proper Did, bits. Have and you finally stuff. just Google Neil Hodgkinson? He's got the hybrid search GUI. He built the damn thing. Yes, the I'll, reason I'll, why search is hybrid is because of him, and then he attributes it to some other guy, some um, engineer at the Microsoft Product Group. I forget his name. We were speaking about it the other day. It's actually on the Facebooks. Well, the, the next time I have to implement hybrid search, I will certainly give that a try. Fantastic. So that's it for us, guys. As always, you can find us online at two guys in SharePoint You can find us on Twitter at two guys SharePoint. I'm at Odd Modlin. I'm at Alistair Pugin. It's been a great show. Thank uh, you for just joining a, us. Just a question for our, our listeners. How many of you actually go to the website and listen to the podcast from there, or do you go directly to SoundCloud or directly to iTunes? If you go to our site, uh, there's a little section at the bottom to contact us. It's al at 2000sharepoint.co.za, rod at 2000sharepoint. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you and also uh, drop us some ideas on who you want to hear, what you want us to talk about, so that we know what our audience wants, seeing as this is our 10th episode. Yes, and this is a community podcast. We're trying to do what the community wants. So... You guys are the community, so please do let us know what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of. I do try to keep Al from talking too much, but, you know, yeah, that, that, that things is happen. A, that is a problem. All right, yeah, that's it from my side. Thanks, Al. Good episode. Cheers, cheers. Ciao.